morning I'll be talking to us on from the outer court to the inner court, the quest for more of God. Somebody say from the outer court to the inner court, the quest for more of God. The quest for more of God. Hallelujah. So we need more of God. So we need more of God. So no matter the level we are, we need more. And that is the story of our lives. It's a journey of getting more of God. It's a journey of receiving more. It's a journey of growing, you know, unto maturity. It's a journey of receiving and imbibing the counsel of God. No matter the level that we are, we need more of God. In fact, it is a grave danger for us to get to a point and we think we don't need more of God. That means that we have been ambushed. Anytime we feel that we are in a comfortable place, you know, and when I mean comfortable place, I, I don't mean that we shouldn't have rest and peace in God. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is that anytime we think that we've had enough, then those are that in itself is a sign of backsliding. I don't know if I'm making sense this morning. Amen. The the living water. Uh, the, the experience of God will always leave you, number one, satisfied. Say satisfied. Number two, asking for more. So it satisfies you, yes. But it leaves you what? Asking for more. If you are not asking for more, you've not really experienced food. Hallelujah. Amen. You've not really done what? When you taste good wine, you ask for more. You don't have self-control with it. <laughs> it wasn't made for people who have self-control. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's for, made for people who ask for more. That's the spirit. When you taste the spirit, you will always ask for more. Because you realize that there is nothing better to experience. There is nothing greater. There is nothing higher. It is the height of the height of the mountains of joy and peace. That is God. Is the highest of the mountains of rest. That is God. And you are carrying something that is more than you. Because the one he gives you is what? It's easy and his body is what? It's light. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the one who gives the wine that is the best. And whenever you taste God's wine, you are going to do what? Ask for more. It's the same in the pattern of the tabernacle. When you come into the tabernacle, the quest is to end up in the holiest of all. That's the quest of the tabernacle. There is, in fact, the instruments in the inner court and the holiest of holies are calling unto you. Hallelujah. God is calling unto you from the holy place. God is calling unto you from the most holy place. He is calling. The essence, I'm going to remember that we that the essence of the tabernacle itself is for God to do what? To dwell. To dwell. To dwell doesn't mean that he's in the bedroom, then you are in the corridor. And then you are talking to yourself from the corridor. Is that the definition of dwelling? No. To dwell means that you are in the same place. You are, you are intimate with him. So you know the in and out of his house. You know his, you know what you was called the corridor, the, 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 the secluded places. You know everything. That's what it means to dwell. So God wants us to experience the full measure of his grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And that was why one significant thing that happened when Christ died was that scripture says the veil of the temple that separates the most holy from the holy place did what? Tore from top to bottom. Signifying that access is now given to people. So you can come. Somebody say you can come. Say it's your destiny to come. Hallelujah. So last week we treated that, okay, two weeks ago now, we treated that Christ is the what? Is the gate and is the way. And that you can approach the Father without Him. And we explained what that meant at the beginning of the journey, salvation. And then we explained the ongoing experience or the ongoing reality of that. Hallelujah. That whatever we find ourselves, whatever stage, situation, you know, that we find ourselves, Jesus is the way. He is. 
and that he should be our focus. Christ should be our focus. If we are concerned about knowing God, who should be our focus? Christ. So we should fix our gaze on Jesus and learn of him. That's what he said. He said, learn of me. Hallelujah. So our concern should be, I want to know Jesus. And our prayer should be that the Holy Spirit will unveil Jesus to us. Hallelujah. Because it is possible to be walking with Jesus, to be around him and yet not know him. It is very possible. And it's possible to be around him, not for the same purpose for which he's called you to be, to be with him. There were some people who were following Jesus those days because they saw that Jesus could perform miracles. And they were waiting and calculating and targeting the time he would perform miracles and multiply bread. I was like, when they heard that he multiplied bread, his disciples increased by over a thousand percent, whatever margin. Ah, but boy, he multiplied again. Wow. Suddenly his church was full. Amen. And then they had overflow. And they couldn't even wait for next Sunday. They were the one looking for him. <laughs> you know, if Jesus was a blind prophet, they would think, man, these people are hungry for God, man. I have never seen passionate people like this. You know, but Jesus said, you are not hungry for the word. It's because I fed you bread yesterday. They said, they actually saved yeah, you are not, you are not all, you are not altogether wrong. No, but we have scripture to back it up. Scripture says Moses gave our father manna. So we are seeking the same thing our father sought. They were trying to play smart. Jesus said, no. Moses did not give you that manna. It is God from heaven that gave your father's manna. But your father said manna and died. But the bread that I have to give you, when you eat it, you will not die. They call me like say this guy, say something like, okay, give us this bread now. He said, I am the bread. <laughs> because their mind, they still thought he was still, <laughs> was it Bugal bread? <laughs> Say, if I'm more, give us this bread. And we will believe. That's the criteria. Say, no, I am the bread of life. And when you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you are a part of me. Ah! When they say, this guy don't be mad. <laughs> this guy don't be mad. The Bible said that from then on, a lot of the disciples did what? They were not interested in the kingdom. They were just interested in their babies. So, a lot of Christians actually also are around Jesus because of their bellies. Hallelujah. Not because they really want to learn of Christ. Not because they really want to take the yoke of Christ upon them. And when, and, and we learned on Wednesday, that when their hope is wrong, the pursuit will be what? Will be wrong. When you are around him, not for the purpose for which he's called you, you will even reject his path, the path that he's called you to follow. You will reject it. Hallelujah. You will say, not me, Lord, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine when the disciples came, some of the apostles came to, uh, when, imagine when Agabus came to Paul and said, I'm, you know, and, and picked up his cloak and his belt. And bound himself and said, This is what will happen to the man, the owner of this cloak. And then the others will begin to bind and cast <laughs> and begin to plead with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. He said, It is the will of God that I should do what? I should go. To, why are you? He said, why, why are you trying to break my heart? Can you imagine? He said, Why are you trying to break my heart? So God has already witnessed to me that everywhere I go, trials and afflictions await me. See, I'm not only ready to be bound in Jerusalem, I'm ready to even die. That is someone who has designed the will of God. If they give some of you that prophecy, seven days fasting and prayer is what will happen the next day. You will bind every demon from here to Azurok that want to bind your destiny in the spirit. Amen. You know, <laughs> my wife and I we used to joke about, uh, I think it was Pastor Ayo JJ that ministered and said that. Imagine if it was some of us Christians today that God lifted in the spirit and transported to the valley of dry bones. Just imagine you had a dream now and you woke in that dream. 
it was a valley of what? Of dry bones. And they were exceeding. You see skull all around you. Don't lie. What will you do when you wake up? <laughs> Some of you, you, it is from inside your do. You'll be shouting Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire. Every devil that wants to kill my death, that wants to turn me to desolation. Ah, ah, ah. If at that day you wake up, probably run to your pastor's house. Pastor, pastor, you got the Murillo. Oku, Murillo. Oku, 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 dead people, dead people everywhere. You'll be so, you know, so afraid, so moved, so rattled. That is what happens when there is a lack of knowledge of the Lord. You cannot even wait for God to communicate what you want. Imagine that. God, they call. I don't mean that it means what. <laughs> Let me tell you what it means. I know what it means. <laughs> Hallelujah. When there is no knowledge of the Lord, when there is no understanding of God's purpose, then we are definitely going to go off the track. The things that are blessings from God, we call them curses. And the things that are actually a curse, we embrace them as blessings. Because the knowledge of God is what? It's missing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But when we truly are, you know, are on the quest for more of God. When the reason why we are you know, drawing near to God is because we want to truly know Him. I want to be like Him. Then understanding comes, our eyes will be opened, and then we can experience more and more of God. Am I making sense this morning? Am I making sense? And that is the whole essence of our movement from the outer court into the what? Into the inner court. God is calling us to more of Him. God is calling us to more of Him. God is saying the level you are at, you have been there long enough. It's time to do what? To move on. It's time to move on. It's time you stayed on this mountain for too long. Now, it's time to do what? To break free and move forward. Hallelujah. See, but before we can move forward, we must consolidate on the experience of God at the level that we are. Because we are not going to move forward in a hurry and in haste and abandon the light and the illumination that God has brought for the now. So what are we going to do? We are going to put our house in. Somebody said, put our house in order. We are going to put our house in order so that we can be empowered for movement. Hallelujah. You know, and when the priest comes into the outer court, there are two principal instruments right in the outer court. Say the bronze, the bronze lava. Say the bronze lava and the brazen altar. These are the two instruments that are where in the outer court. And the priest must interact with both instruments before he can be granted access to do what? To move into the in a court. Ah, this does, does okay. Yeah, beautiful. So the first one you're seeing is the brazen altar, or the altar is another word is called the altar of burnt offerings. And then the next one, the one that is reflective that you see, is the bronze lava. It's a lava of bronze. It's called bronze lava because it is made of bronze, you know. And what it does is that it has water inside. In fact, it was made by from the donation of the women. Of Israel, they brought in those days. There were no mirror; the, the glass used as mirror. These days, those don't exist. Then, so what they had is a bronze, a bronze plate that is very reflective. So that's what they use as mirror. That's what they used to look at themselves. So if you look at the lava, the lava is very reflective. So when you pour water inside, you see yourself, and all those elements speaks concerning who Jesus. Every one of those elements speaks concerning Jesus. And also the, 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 the brazen altar too. The altar of sacrifice. So let's quickly go, you know, look into the altar of sacrifice this morning. Because I don't want us to um, spend too much. Give me Exodus um, chapter 40. And I said that the, the bronze altar is the altar upon which the sacrifice is what is made. 
Exodus chapter 14 verse 6. Say, you shall do what? You shall set the altar of the burnt offering where? Before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So, when you come in through the gate, you see the brazen altar, the altar of burnt offering. You see the um, brazen lava and then both of them are set before the door. So there is another door into the world, into the holy place. And the thing about the outer court is that it is the only part of the tabernacle that is under sunlight. Amen. It's the only part that is what? That is under sunlight. When you step into the inner court and the holiest of all, the sunlight does not get into those two places. And that is very significant. Amen. Because those who see by the light of the sun only are canal. Hallelujah. And that's why it is possible for somebody to be saved and they are still canal. If I read Romans chapter 6, Romans explained it very well. 6, 5, 6, 7, 8. Explains it very well. If you walk in the flesh, we will do what? will die. But if you through the spirit modify the deeds of the flesh, we will do what? We'll but to be carnally minded, he is what? Death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. He was speaking to Christians. Say so Christians can be carnally minded. And when we talk about the carnal mind, we're not talking about only sexual immorality. You know when you're growing up, that's the only major thing. Carnal mind just means that you are not walking by the mind of the spirit. And no matter how noble your thinking, you know, some people, they, 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 they pride themselves as being moralists. But they are just carnal mind. When your thinking, when your action, when your reasoning is not influenced by the light of the word of God, through the help of the Holy Spirit, you have a carnal mind. When you cannot discern what the will of God is, you do what? You have a carnal mind. That's where the carnal mind is. You are walking in by the light of this life. You are not walking by the light of the Lord. You know, how did, how did David put it? I think he said, I have cherished your word more than my necessary food. That is a spiritual mind. It means that God's word is final in your life. God's prescribed lifestyle is what you are embracing. That's a spiritual mind. But when you have your own ideas of pursuit of this life, when you have your own ideas of how your life should be, when you have your own ideas about how you want to live your life, you have your own goals and pursuit, and it is you, you, you. Nobody can change it. Nobody can obstruct it. That's a carnal mind. And you can be a Christian and be a completely carnal mind. And scripture says that the carnal mind is what? It's an enemy of God. And it's the reason why the enemy does so much to keep us carnal. So that we will not come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what Paul said. And what Paul said when he said that if our gospel is hidden, it's what? It's hidden to those who are lost. Who are lost. He said, in whom the God of this world has done what? Blinded their heart. Lest they see the what? The light. The glorious gospel of Jesus. So that's what the enemy does. He's constantly looking for ways to blind our heart. Looking for ways to give us, and I usually say that the blindness of the heart is not blackness and darkness. What did, what did we call it last time? Another picture. A wrong picture. A wrong picture. A wrong goal. So that we don't see, the, it, it's like, you know, I don't want, it's like I don't want Bussiah to see Solomon, so I put something here that is distracting him. Another picture. Maybe if he likes a dog, I'll put a picture of a dog. Amen. And then just seeing the dog, oh, beautiful dog, beautiful dog. Why the person he really needs to see is what? It's Solomon. So that's what the enemy does to us. He paints the glory of this world before our eyes. 
And then suddenly we see what to live for. The, the, the whole essence of life is to chase the things of this world. Our sense of peace and joy is when we have gotten the things of this world. That means we already have the what? The wrong picture. When you look down on yourself by the things you don't have, or when you feel very high by the things you have, you have been sold the wrong picture. When the essence of your life, Bible said that the, the, the life of a man does not consist in the what? In the multitude of things he has. When your sense of worth is based on what you have or what you have achieved, then you have been sold the wrong picture. The eyes of the understanding have been blinded. Because it is what you treasure that you will do what that you give yourself into. Hallelujah. It is what you do what? It is what you treasure that you will do what? If you don't treasure God, you won't take God seriously. If you don't treasure God, you won't have time for God. Even your prayer will be rushed. Let us do fulfill a righteous thing. But I thank you. Decide not get out of the house. To pursue the things that make sense to you. But if God is your treasure, you will pursue him. Pursuit is the proof of passion. Am I making sense this morning? That is how to be free from the carnal mind. Is that we put God first. Hallelujah. And that's why it's so important that even though the elements of worship in the altar court are so crucial. In fact, you can't jump over them into the altar court. If you try it, you die. <laughs> Amen. The priests have to partake, have to do the prescribed sacrifice and offering both at the brazen altar and at the bronze lava. If they don't do that and they try to enter the holiest, try to enter the holy place, they will be killed. Hallelujah. So it is important for us to do what? To partake of the pattern of both the altar of sacrifice and the what? And the bronze lava so that we can be adequately clothed and equipped to do what? To press into more of God. Hallelujah. Now what does the brazen altar signify? So it's, we said that the, the tabernacle is Jesus, right? We confirmed that, right? You know, if, if you missed those previous um, you know, series, please get it on Spotify. TGC Yaba is there. We sort of broken that down. I don't want to go into that this morning. So we said that every instrument in the tabernacle points to who? To Jesus. And they show us a specific spiritual pattern in our journey to the fullness of God. They show us the word, a specific pattern in our journey or in our quest for the word, for the fullness of God. So, and it is very deliberate that the first instrument you see in the outer court is the altar of sacrifice. Why? Because Christ, the beginning of the journey, is us receiving and accepting the sacrifice of Jesus. Not just for the purpose of salvation. Say not just for the purpose of salvation. But for the purpose of identity. Did you hear what I just said? That it is not only enough to appropriate the sacrifice of Jesus. That is to accept that Jesus, you died for my sin. You hung on the cross for my sake. And I receive and I accept that sacrifice. I ask you to come into my life. That is the foundation. That is the beginning. But it doesn't just stop. The relevance of the altar of sacrifice doesn't stop there. It also has to do with identifying with that sacrifice as a matter of identity. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with who? With Christ. What is the result of that? Nevertheless, I live but don't make the mistake the person who lives now is not the me that existed before I went to the cross with him the person who lives now has a new identity has a new engine has a new spirit so the life I now live in the flesh I live by what? by faith in the son of God who loved me and did what? and gave himself 
I think it was Romans 6 that says that we judge that if one died for all, then all are what? Are dead. Hallelujah. So that's the judgment in the spirit. This is the declaration of God. If one died for all, then everyone is what? Everyone is dead. So that those who live should not do what? Should not live, no longer live for themselves, but for him who did what? Who died for them and rose again. Your life is not your life anymore. Did you get that point? Your life is not your life. Your life is now Christ's what? Life. So, you must live the Christ life now. The you that existed has been crucified with Christ on the cross. Your lineage has been crucified with Christ on the cross. Your issues have been crucified with Christ on the cross. Your infirmities, your pain, your struggles, your weaknesses, you know, everything that constitutes the natural you, the, your natural bloodline had been terminated. Am I making sense this morning? Your natural bloodline has been what? Has been terminated. You were not refurbished. You are new. The old one was killed and buried and is decayed and dead in the grave now. So the you that came, you don't have a natural lineage. Am I making sense? Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. You see that altar, that altar is called the altar of burnt offering. Anything sacrificed that goes inside it does not remain. The Bible says it is burnt with fire completely as a sacrifice unto who? Unto God. There is no remnant of your natural self. But what happens is that the enemy lies to us constantly by patterns. Somebody say patterns. Somebody say experiences. They lie to us that you still exist. Patterns. Patterns of behavior, patterns of thoughts. And herein lies our fight of faith. I don't know if I'm making sense this morning. Am I making sense? And therein lies our what? Our fight of faith to resist the lies of the enemy. Scripture says resist the devil. And if we do what? It doesn't mean that the devil is doing like this. You know, some of us have watched Monzayo and one black something will come at you. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Oh, that's not how the devil comes around. If you are still thinking about that, say wrong picture. That's why some of you can't stay in the room alone at night. Once they take like, pa, they, they jump up and, and run. Wrong picture. The devil doesn't come to you like that. Say thoughts. Say reasonings. Say mindset. Say perspective. That's where the real warfare is. That's where the real warfare is. Imagine you are looking for a business opportunity or a job and then you just got a rejection letter. Ah! If you are not careful, the devil is around the corner. See? Why can't you see your life is meaningless? You've been on this journey for so long. This is the third rejection letter. Your life is meaningless. But it's not coming to you as if it's coming from, from outside. You are the one thinking it, but you think it's your thought. It's not your thought. They are programming you. That thing you are thinking. Somebody is typing frisky on the keyboard and sending it to you. That's the fairy that. Pa, 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 pa. Say, ah. Even me, I know my life doesn't matter. Ah, God, you have abandoned me. Then you begin to think about your life. All the negative things. You, that's the only thing you think about at that point is negative. You don't remember the good things God has done. Is the enemy arranging it? You are at his, you are now on, on his table. So he's arranging buffet for you. First course. Send the first course. You take it, say, ah, God has disappointed me. Say, good, good. Second course. Say, ah. Is it only me in this world? Is this only me? Say, okay. Take your take some back history. Say, that's that my dad told me that I struggled too. Ah, we delay it. Oh God. You're just depressed. Some of you, you can't even talk. You're just dead. What's wrong with you? Fellowships. Satan has cooked food for you. 
fiery darts. Fiery darts. Fiery darts. Wounding your soul. Shattering your defense in the spirit. Fiery darts. Bringing you down. Knocking you off the platform that God has placed you. The platform of the beloved. Now he's making you doubt the testimony of the blood. How many of us remember the testimony of the blood? Suddenly you look at what God has said about you. You are not convinced anymore. You are not convinced about what the word has said about you. And that thought is already, maybe it's not you he's talking about. <laughs> How many of us have read scripture and maybe it's not me they are talking about? That's of the enemy. Bombarded, bombardment from all sides. Then it will not serve you the side courses. Now begin to point. Look at your friend. Look at Lovett. Look at Wallaby. Look at you started together. In fact, you were brilliant and then when you were in secondary school. But look at your life. You must definitely have made the wrong turn somewhere. Say yes. I think so. I think so. Once he saw that ah that one has entered, you now go and read the wrong picture. So you remember the day you went home to your village and one old man touched mistakenly touched your head. Ah. That's when they took it. Ah. And then you take it. Ah, God's put you. Say, ah, God, thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for opening my eyes. Ah, my life, my life, whatever they hide, my glory. Everything. Ah, nah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you spent months and years pursuing what is not lost. Fiery dance. Derailment. Derailment. All you needed was to say, it doesn't matter what I've experienced. If this door closes, another one will open. I'm a child of destiny. I resist you, Satan. My future is bright because it's in God. The one that has been disappointed is in the grave. I am no longer Adam. I'm no longer of this earth. The elements of the earth cannot be against me. The sun shall not strike me by day, nor the moon by night. That was all you needed to do. And you clear off all the offense against you. And then you go on pursuing purpose. Thank you, Jesus. How do I love you more, Lord? What should I do today to love you more? How should should I press into you more? So while the other person is running from pillar to post looking for victory, you you are just lost in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know the incredible level of the knowledge of God it took for Jesus to recognize that he was the son of God? The guy that was born in the manger. So we don't think about this. We think that the knowledge Jesus brought to the earth is the knowledge that he had in heaven. That's what we think, Abby. You think that when Jesus opened his eyes in that manger, he said, ah, where is this? Hey, see Joseph and Mary. <laughs> see my creatures. Ah, father, father. Okay. As he looked up, he can even see angels. No, he was born as a man. Say a man. That's what it meant by he was stripped of all his glory in heaven. He did not even come with the memories. He had to discover himself through the word. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus had to discover who he truly is through the word. That's an incredible level of faith. That the guy born in the manger is the one destined to save the world. Both the pre- past, the present, and the future. You need to understand the mileage that Jesus took in the realm of the Spirit. But that is the same thing with you. That's your destiny too. Your natural frame has zero reference on who you are in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter whether you're born in Makoko or you're born in the highest building in New York. It has no reference for God has called you his beloved. Am I making sense this morning? And that is what happens at the altar of sacrifice. We step out of the way and we let Christ come in. We follow him to that cross. We allow him to nail the old man, the experiences, the patterns, the mindset the perspective, the tradition, the culture, everything that we have aggregated as our identity based on experiences, based on our background. We shut it down 
and then we take up the new image of what? Christ. So that we should put on the new man that is renewed after the image of who? The him who created. Said so the first Adam is from the earth. Ati said the last Adam is Lord from where? From heaven. That's your new lineage now. When they trace you, the end of you is what? Is God. When they want to gaze at your glory, let's assume there is a place where they gaze at glory. <laughs> what would they see? They will see God. God is your source now. You've been crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. Am I blessing somebody this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. You've been what? Crucified with Jesus. Give me first Peter chapter one very quickly. Verse 18. Let's just read a couple of scriptures. Say, knowing that you were not redeemed with what? Oh, come on, folks. Let's 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 say these things like you no. Know? From conviction, knowing that you were not what redeemed with what, like what, like what. Tell your neighbor, silver and good is corruptible things. <laughs> I'm not preaching against prosperity. How many of us know that? What I'm preaching against is materialism. How many of you like what I'm wearing? It's fine, Abby. I'm not preaching against prosperity. But this is not my life. If tomorrow the only thing I have is boxers, I know you will not want me to come and push your boxers. But, but you get what I'm saying? It, it didn't matter. There was time I didn't have this. And I loved God. And I wasn't confused. And I didn't wake up and think that my life is over. Some of you here know my story. Am I making sense? And this doesn't define my purpose. On my journey, there is something higher. There is a glory of God that I'm seeking for. That I'm pressing into. For I was saved. I was redeemed. Not with what? Not with corruptible. So, things silver and gold can never be the measure of my life. What I have, or I don't have the position, I have the job I do. What if I like, let it be I'm the Jagabah of the old Nigeria. Doesn't matter if the treasure of Lagos is in my pocket. God forbid. You should pity such men who have arrogated to themselves a status beyond what God has placed them. No man who has done that ever ends well. Don't desire what God has not given you. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't desire what God has not what? Say it has consequences. Just. Let what God has given you be enough for you. So that your life does not consist in the world. A multitude of things. He told, he told that ring young fool. He said, tonight your soul will do what? Be required of you. What shall they give in exchange? Hallelujah. It's a painful thing to gain the whole world and do what? Say so you are not redeemed with corrupted things like silver and gold from your what? Say what I had was aimless conduct. Doesn't matter how beautifully packaged it is, it is aimless what? The Bible says that do not work as the gentle work in the what? Don't let Satan package vanity for you. Ah, my God. Say, Father, deliver me from vanity. Satan will package vanity for you. Do you know people kill people? People kill other human beings for money ritual. Can you, can, can you think about it a little? That somebody wanted to write 505 evolution. How many of us remember it? Ah, some of you are millennials. 505 evolution. And you want to kill human beings. Where is that car today? If they dash you that car today, will you collect it? That's what some people killed. 
That's what some people, they did not, let's even not go far. That's what some people chased that they wrecked their families. Some of you come from families where your fathers didn't have time for you because they were chasing vanity. Where is those things now? Where are those things now? And if you are one of those who are still chasing those things at the expense of the things that are truly matter, you better repent. Some people will run. They don't have time for their wives. They don't have time for their husband. They don't even have time for their children. What are you looking for? Aimless conduct received by what? Tradition from you, from your fathers. Mindsets, culture, things that society preached to you and said, this is the essence of your life. All these things we see in our world today, a lot of it didn't exist 100 years ago. 200 years ago, there was no car. Yet people lived and fulfilled purpose. But you, you are under immense pressure because you want to buy a car. Hallelujah. Some people, all their life, they didn't even venture outside of their town. But they fulfill purpose. They are sitting very close to the lamp now in heaven because they fulfill the will of God. But some people are having depression because they want to travel out. They have sold vanity to you. No, leave vanity. Seek what? Purpose. Say seek purpose. Aimless conduct. Aimless conduct. Am I against traveling out? No. I'm saying there is a higher purpose. There is a main thing. Then if traveling out is now an addition, you should do what? You should take it. Hallelujah. This educational system that we used to rate ourselves today, I'm a PhD holder. You don't talk to me anyhow. There was no PhD 300 years ago. And yet men lived and fulfilled the will of God. But society has packaged value based on the current times and seasons. And some of us, we are abandoning the main thing because we want to pursue the things of this world. You were not redeemed with what? Corruptible things like silver or gold. From your what? Aimless conduct received by traditions from your father. Verse 19, what does it say? Verse 19. But with the what? Come say it with conviction. With the what? Precious blood of Christ as of a lamp without what? Blemish and without spot. That is the high price paid for you. That is a high price. It was a precious. And if God said that blood was precious, you better believe him. He was saying the truth. That blood was precious. And if he had to give that up for you, how precious do you think you are in God's sight? You are really, somebody said to yourself, I'm really precious. I don't care what your state is. You might be a house girl, you might be a floor keeper, you might be gate man. You are precious in his sight. Carry yourself with dignity of the beloved of God. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me this morning? Carry yourself with the word, with the dignity that you truly are. And don't let anybody wound your soul. Don't let anybody look down on you. Hallelujah. Be confident in who God has made you. You are precious in sight. Hallelujah. See, I'm precious in his sight. I'm precious in his sight. Give me John chapter 21. John 1 29. Um, we can write down 2 Corinthians 5 21. We can write down Ephesians 5 2. We can write down Hebrews 9 14. John 1 29. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the what? The lamp of God. Who does what? Who takes away the what? The sin of the world. He was the path, he is the perfect sacrifice. Raised by God. So that he can hang on the tree for you and I. So that we can come into our destinies in God. And we must appropriate that sacrifice. 
we must believe it. It must be the essence of our life that Christ has paid the price. Say Christ has paid the price. So Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let anybody wound your heart. Don't let Satan wound you. The price has been what paid. What are the sins your fathers, fathers, fathers have committed that brought a certain cause or something, or the sins you are committing now, or the ones you will commit? Say the price has been paid. When Jesus hung on that cross, the sin of the whole world, from Adam to the last man or woman or boy or girl that will ever walk this plane, sin was cleansed, complete clean sweep. Not one remained after that blood dropped. So what is, what is Satan torturing you about? What have you done that you think it can never be washed away? Don't let Satan cheat you. Say it's gone. Washed by the blood. It's washed. I don't care what your mistake has been. Enough of suffering for it. It's enough. Now speaking to somebody this morning, you've suffered enough. Jesus already bore the burden you are bearing. It's time to take it off. And pick up the confidence that you have dropped on the floor. And pick up purpose again. Because in the eyes of God, you never made a mistake. You never did. The power of the blood is not to make us feel as though we never sinned. No. The power of the blood said you never sinned. There's a difference. Did you get my point? There's a difference between feeling like you never sinned. Even though you know. There's a difference between somebody telling you that even though you sinned though. <laughs> you know you sinned though. But I've, I've forgiven you. But remember that you sinned. Please remember that you sinned. And the, how many of us, you know, you know that's what men do. When men do you a favor, they will lift it up for you. In fact, they will enslave you by the favor they've done to you. If they bailed you out, you can't even greet them normally again. You have to greet them with respect. Suddenly, the goodwill has become a trap for you. God is not like that. Say, God is not like that. If God says He has forgiven you, say He has forgiven and He has forgotten. Say, God can forget. If He doesn't forget, that means the blood is not powerful enough. Because if it's wiped you clean, then you are clean. So that time you are feeling depressed, oh God, I'm disappointed. You're going to say, what are you saying? What are you talking about? The last time we had this discussion, I said, it's gone. And it's gone. Hallelujah. You are not renewed. You are not refurbished. You are what? You are new. You know, you know these days you have refurbished phone. They say factory refurbished. They want to package you new. Say factory refurbished. It's very close to the new, but it's not exactly new. But it looks like new. And then you have new, the one that never existed before. iPhone 14, you've never seen it before. So you are new. You never existed before. That's the power of the sacrifice of what? Of Jesus. Wiped clean. Free. Completely free. By the precious blood of Jesus. The lamb that does what? Is taking me with the sin of the world. Am I making sense this morning? I don't know if you are getting blessed this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Give me Hebrews chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 5 says that he who knew no sin has been made what? Sin for us. So that we can be made the righteousness of God in Christ. But give me Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, very quickly. What does it say? He said, How? Ah, okay. Mm, mm, mm. Let's, let's back up so that we can read it in front of it. Let's see verse 13. 
he gave me 12. He said, Not with the blood of God that calves, but with his own blood. He did what? He entered the most holy place once and once and having obtained water. Who is this for? For himself, for the Father, or for angels in heaven. Who is eternal redemption for? For you. For you. Give me 13. He said, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. Even ordinary blood, goat, meh, meh, that stubborn goat, even the blood, we clean something. Stubborn goats. How many of you have red goats around you before? Very stubborn animal. It's as if go- as if it's a black goat. It's like this black goat's house for special team. <laughs> no, I've read goats before. When I was small, we used to have a lot of goats. And the black ones are always the ringleaders of rebellion. We even named them all kind of names. There was one that's called Ole, Ole, Ole Bamba. That one. There was a day he fell inside where he almost died. His destiny, God saved him. Very stubborn goats. Even the blood of goats can do what? It can cleanse, it can sanctify. Give me verse 20. Give me verse 14. Say, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the word, the eternal spirit, offer himself without spot to God? Cleanse your what? Oh my God. Oh my God. This is where the warfare is. This is where the warfare is. Because this is what the enemy is constantly trying to wound your conscience. Your conscience. You you were not just forgiving the action. The effect it has on your conscience has been removed. So your conscience is clean. Say my conscience is clean. Cleanse your conscience from what? From dead works. To do what? To serve. You cannot serve without a clean conscience. You cannot come into that tabernacle and serve and offer true worship without what? Clean conscience. And that's why the enemy always tries to wound your conscience so that you lack confidence, so that you lack conviction, so that you look at your natural estate and look down on yourself and judge yourself unworthy of redemption. But who called you? I'm saying, who is it that condemns you? Who is it that condemns you? The God to whom you have to report does not condemn you. In fact, he's the one who has what? Who has justified. Do you know what justification means? Justification doesn't mean you have a good lawyer who is able to help you twist the case. Oh, are you getting me? Justification means that I overrule anything that is against you. And I judge you, you did not commit a sin. It's a judicial statement. Am I making sense? It's a what? If you kill somebody and the judge ruled that you did not kill somebody, you did not kill somebody. That's the power of judicial statements. But you can't bribe God. God has ruled you what? Free. Come and serve me. You're free. Come and what? Come and serve me. You are what? You're free. Come closer. You're free. Come near. You are my beloved. Don't be shy. Somebody say, don't be shy. Come closer. Bible say, let us therefore come what? Let us therefore come what? Before the what? The throne of Christ. That's where he sits. That's where your father sits. Say, come boldly. Why? Because this has happened. Your conscience has been cleansed. Now you can serve the living God. That's what the altar of sacrifice did for us. So we say thank you for the sacrifice. Say God, thank you for the sacrifice. That is what you should hold in your hands from today. And that's the essence of your life. I am a product of divine sacrifice. I exist because 
the Son of God paid the price for me to exist. I can never be derailed. You see, the confidence you carry from the altar of sacrifice is the confidence that you will carry into the holiest of all. Because if it's another confidence, not the confidence of God to serve, you will never go inside. The confidence of good works can never take you inside. It's only the confidence of the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why there is nothing you can do to pay for your sins. Stop trying to pay. It's been paid. Rather receive strength to sin no more. Jesus told that woman, caught in the very act of adultery. He said, I do not condemn you. So where are those who condemn you? She looked at her and said, Lord, with God. He said, even I do not condemn you. Go and do what? Sin. That's the power God is dispensing to you and I today. Say, we do, I do not condemn you. Rather, receive strength to serve the living God. In holiness, in truth, in purity of heart, receive what? Strength. Receive conviction, receive grace to serve. Say, I receive grace to serve. That is what the brazen altar delivers to you. That's why that instrument of worship is so what? It's so crucial. Hallelujah. Amen. We're taking communion today. It's the first time we're taking communion in this, this church. You know, and what a, what, what a time to take the communion. To identify with the body and the word and the blood of Jesus. The Bible said any time you partake of these things, you bring to remembrance. Oh my God. Oh, that word again. It's not saying that you have a mental picture. That's not what it means by remembrance. It means you invoke the reality. You invoke what? It, it, it signifies the very time when the sacrifice goes up to God. And God, re, God remembers. Bible says that when Noah sacrificed and the sacrifice went to God, Bible says God remembered. And then he made a covenant. So whenever we come to the Lord's table, we are activating the what? The covenant of the sacrifice. There is nothing more powerful than that. Hallelujah. So the sacrifice of Jesus at the brazen altar can be interpreted in three ways. Say number one, as a scapegoat. Say with me, as a scapegoat, as a burnt offering, and as a peace offering. All these things, if you read Leviticus, read Leviticus chapter 16, Leviticus chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 7, you see how all these things are interwoven. You know, there is a burnt offering, there is a peace offering, you know, there is a scapegoat. All these things speaks concerning Jesus because Jesus is the scapegoat. If whenever the, the children of Israel wanted to bring an offering, a burnt offering before God, and they bring that goat, the Bible says that the priests, we lay hands on the goat and the person who's, who's brought the goat. And then by the laying off on that hands, the sin of that person is what? Is transferred to the goat. And the goat is led into the wilderness to go and die. That was what Jesus did. Our sins were transferred upon him and he was led to the outside of the gates. At Golgotha, where he was what? Where he was slain. So the one who sinned has been slain. The one who lives didn't sin. Are you, am I making sense? Am I making sense? So whenever the devil is trying to accuse you, say, so I'm sorry, Satan. The one who sinned has died. Didn't you see him on the cross? Why are you troubling me? Did you see me do anything? I didn't do nothing. The one who sinned has been what? Has been crucified. Hallelujah. So write down Leviticus 16, 3-7. We can read this in the one we get from Leviticus 16, 3-7, then 15-16. Then Isaiah, oh, this is a beautiful verse to me. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. Give me Isaiah 55 and 6, please. I will be committing this thing if I don't read this verse. <laughs> Isaiah 53. He said, But he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are what? You know, some of us, we believe it up to this point, and just our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. We don't really believe that. 
But everything has been paid for. Everything. Give me verse 6. Everything paid for. Say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Say, and the Lord. Oh my God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say, the Lord has laid the what? On him. The what? The iniquity of us all. Weighed everything. The full measure of all our sins and iniquity. And placed it on his head. And judged him on the account of it. That's why Jesus did not only die from physical pain. He died from the judgment of God. Did you hear what I just said? He died from what? From the judgment of God. God slain him. So he pleased God to do what? To slay him. As a perfect sacrifice. God's judgment. That's the scapegoat. Christ has made us scapegoat. Hallelujah. As a burnt offering, Leviticus chapter 1, 3 to 5, Hebrews 10, 10. As a burnt offering, Leviticus 1, 3 to 5, Hebrews 10, 10. Maybe you give me Hebrews 10, 10. He said, by that will, we have been what? Sanctified through the what? The offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Read that last statement once for all. Hallelujah. As a peace offering, Leviticus 7 29 to 30, Ephesians 2 11 to 19. Hallelujah. Thank you. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. As I close, give me Colossians chapter 3. Oh, Rabbi Shataba. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I want us to leave this place this morning completely and fully assured. Completely what? Completely and what? And fully assured in the sacrifice of Jesus. And that that sacrifice is enough for you. It's enough to carry you through. It's enough. All that you need, all that you will ever need has been paid for by that sacrifice. Everything, everything you ever need has been paid for. And that you should continually draw strength from what Jesus has done because it's enough. Somebody say it's enough. Say it's enough. You should draw strength because it's enough. That should be your reference point. To even serve God, you need that reference point. How many of us know what the reference is? If you're looking for a job, and then your reference is the person who stands behind you, Gidiba, who puts their reputation on the line for you. So if you, in the, the judicial significance of a reference is that if you misbehave in the company that hired you, they should arrest your reference. That's the real meaning. You know, now we've bastardized this. But that's the real intention. That they should, if I give you a reference and you go there and you misbehave, they should arrest me. Let's say you stole. I should pay back what you stole because I was the one who put my reputation in the line for you. That's what God did for you. Say, God, they behind me. That's what He did for you. So imagine God is behind you. And you are walking. How should you walk? How should you carry yourself? What should be the transactions going on in your heart with the conviction that God is for you? If God be for what? For me. Who shall what? Who shall be against you? The things you are afraid of, you should never be afraid of them. The things you fear, you should never fear them. The things that unravel you or startle you, you should never be startled by them. The things that confuse you, you should never be confused by them. The things that scare you, you should never be scared. The things that worry you, you should never be worried about. The fact that things 
you don't know the end of things, you don't know fully how things will end, should not be an excuse of, for worry. Because in God's own time, He will do what? He will resolve it. If God is for me, no one will be against If God is for you, no one will be against Hallelujah. And if you think things are not going well, come on, it's just a matter of time. Things will resolve. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. See, except a corner of you falls to the ground and dies. So don't be afraid of dying. He said, but when it dies, when it falls to the ground and dies, it does when it sprouts up, it do what? To bring forth multiple fruits. So you may be going through a time now. Don't make the mistake to think that God has abandoned you. No. Maybe it's just a process of what? Dying. So that you can come out multiplied. So don't let the devil cheat you. Don't let the devil make you think your life doesn't have meaning. Far, far, far be it from you. Don't let the devil lie to you based on what you are going through. Mm-mm. God has a great plan for you. And his plan will never fail. Hallelujah. Are we in Colossians 3? Say, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are what? Above what Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Study. For you died. Say, for you died. And your life is what? Hitting with Christ in God. Give me verse 4. So when Christ, somebody say whenever Christ, because the real translation of this is whenever Christ, which signifies an ongoing, present, continuous, whenever Christ, in our life appears, then you will what? Appear with him in glory. So set your mind on things above now. Don't stay on this plane. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, Rabbi Akanaba Shatana Maria, Pastor of Jesus. Cinema over Akiva Baraka Shatana. Enemy Fretu Bala Akasmo Salamatana Shatana. Kelemeno Fasisila Pekira Aspara Tora Shatana Shatana. Oh, 